0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Tony Chapman. He's the author of The Force Multiplier. It's so great to have you with us. Thanks for
0: having me. So first
1: things first, to what does The Force Multiplier refer?
0: So I was having a party for a friend of mine who was about to be deployed to Afghanistan. And we had a bunch of people in my living room. And another friend who was about to be promoted to a senior level, he said the most amazing thing. He said, because of your presence, you bring out the best in every resource you have around you. And so literally, there's more output in everything that we have because of you. You're what we call a force multiplier. And when he said that, it just resonated with me because I thought, you know, I read tons of books on leadership. I I teach on leadership. But rarely do people say, because you're there, more happens. Hmm. I thought, that's what makes a leader indispensable. I mean, it's great to have managers, great to have supervisors, great to have people who do all these things. But at some point, you have to justify your existence. And that's where I really felt the force multiplier played in.
1: It was like a light bulb moment. Yeah. This. Maybe if he had never made that comment, who knows what the title of the book was. Who would knows? But Tony, you know, you just mentioned it. You know, there are so many books on leadership. You say mm-hmm. in the book, that the landscape is pretty filled. Mm-hmm. So that makes you want to write another book?
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was hesitant to write a book, but then as I do training and I, I work with normally two groups, first time leaders or executives. And I had the same issues over and over again. And I realized either something wasn't being addressed or wasn't resonating with them. So I wanted a book that was far more practical, we'll take all the theory out of it. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of theory, but it's really it's how do you deal with these situations? Because it's hard to think about, you know, how do you change the culture of an organization or or how do you, you know, turn the ship when you're thinking, well, okay, first I got this person over here who always says that ain't in my job description. Now I've got this situation, then I have that. And and what I realized, because I deal with both ends of the continuum, if you don't build a good foundation here, then when you get to the executive level, you have a lot of these issues that are still there because the right foundation wasn't laid.
1: So what comprises that foundation?
0: Okay. There's a number of things. Uh, for example. Having a great attitude, I mean, it seems simple. Right. So I remember the first time I was promoted to a manager, my mentor said the most amazing thing. He said, Tony, you just lost the luxury of having a bad day. And when he said, I thought, wow, I never looked at having a bad day as a luxury. But the fact is, if I have a bad day, it not only affects me, it affects everyone around me. And it turns out Colin Powell actually said a positive attitude is a force multiplier because what it does is it brings out the best in other people. Another example is delegation. Now, delegation is one of those funny things because we all know we're supposed to delegate, but most people don't want to do it for two reasons, right? First reason is, well, I want it done the right way, and the right way is normally my way, right? right. The second <laughs> thing is, yeah, my way or the highway, <laughs> right. exactly. The second thing is, I can do it faster myself. Well, that's great if you're a contributor, but if you're a leader, you don't have time to do that. You've got way too many other things. And you can use delegation as a way to develop other people. The problem is people don't know how to delegate properly. So it's, it's not a just, hard thing to do. It is hard. And and it's not like
1: giving up control. There's a lot of
0: you know layers to it. Absolutely. And the problem is people do it wrong. So what they just say is I'm gonna tell this person what to do, and I've delegated it. Right. Really what you need to do is assess two things. First, how much do I trust their ability? Do they have the knowledge, skills, and ability to do the task that I want them to do? Then second, Do I trust how reliable they are? Can I trust that they can complete a task? Once I know those two things, I know how to properly delegate to ensure success. And in the process, I'm training them to do it my way. And it's a way of developing leaders for the future.
1: This obviously comes from personal experience. When you look Mm -hmm. back at your career, were there sort of holes missing in your leadership experience that, you know, (laughs) when you went to go write this, you filled in those gaps, so to speak? Okay,
0: so... I was a chemical engineer by trade, okay? okay? So I came into the workforce as a research chemist. Wow. <laughs> so, right, exactly. So, and that's why my mind is very scientific as I look at things. So I came in and all of a sudden I'm promoted to a leadership position, but I'm thinking, okay, wait, I've been taught how to run a infrared spectroscopy machine, I've been taught all these other things, but nobody taught me how to deal with different types of people. And so I always say, they give you the pitch. The pitch is this, Tony, you're great. We want to talk to you about your career path. You know, if you just do these few things, you'll be able to lead this small group of people. And if you just get them to do what you're doing, everything's going to go great. What they don't tell you is, oh yeah, by the way, three other people want your job. Mm. And... Two people are crazy because there's someone crazy in every office. But the problem is, is because they've been around for so long and the previous manager was a conflict avoider, you've inherited this problem. Right, and so now it's yours, right? It's
1: kind of setting you up to fail. Right. You know, putting you against your competitor, so to speak, in some capacities, amongst all these other sort of conditions
0: yeah and so i had to learn this and and i had to really go back and find all the the knowledge experts and the subject matter experts and the researchers and who, who are really the right people because you know we pretend that leadership is easy and my friend has a saying this ain't grits where you just add water and stir but because of that i knew first for myself I had to learn leadership. And there's an art and a science to it. But then as I'm training more people, I'm realizing it's like people think it's just common sense and everyone will just get it. And they don't. And so as you keep going up the leadership pipeline, you start to see directors and executives with these exact same flaws simply because no one trained them back then. There's this urban myth that prisons actually look at third grade reading levels to determine how many prisons to build. Now, that's not true, or at least we can't prove it's true because no one's gonna admit it. What we do know is that if you're in third grade and you're behind in your reading, you're 10 times more likely to drop out of high school. Is that right? Yeah, and high school dropouts are three and a half more times likely to be incarcerated than everyone else. Now, the key to that is if you wait till third grade, you're already behind the game. And the same thing happens in leadership. Mm. Often we you know, we're thinking, okay, well, I got this director, I've got to prepare them for an executive position. No, you've got to go way back to kindergarten and deal with them with deal with them when they first get into the leadership pipeline to say, I'm gonna build the foundation now, because if not, I'm gonna to have to undo a lot of things to make them a good leader instead of just teach them some good things. C-Suite Radio.
1: So is it more about telling people what to start doing or telling them what to stop doing?
0: It's both. Okay. It's both. So it's this funny thing. It's like a lot of experts. They assume if I just told the people to do these three or four things, they're going to get it all done. That's crazy. That would be like me going to the doctor and saying, I need to lose weight. He said, okay, well, why don't you just exercise and do this? But if he doesn't say, stop eating Twinkies, right. there's going to be a problem, right? <laughs> so th- there's both. There's, you start to do these things, but at the same time, there's things you have to stop doing if you're going to be effective.
1: Okay. Something that you talk about in the book was, right, with, again, sort of like an aha moment. And I like this, Tony. You said, most leaders don't view having people who are difficult to lead as an indicator that they need to improve their leadership. Instead, they view those people as difficult. Right. I like that. It's so so true. It's like yeah. the onus is never on them. I'm never the problem. It's everybody around me. The employee is the problem, not me. Right. Which I thought was an, a unique distinction.
0: Well, thank you. So the way it works is all of us have our style, and a lot of us based on our personalities, right? But the problem is because of our personalities, there are people that are easier to lead because they're like us. And once you've been successful, we think we're successful because of all these great things we've done. When they they don't respond properly to our amazing leadership style, there's something wrong with them, not Instead, hey, you know what? Here's the real problem. You've got to grow in your leadership because if you're going to be a force multiplier, you can't be effective with a third of the group. You have to learn to change your style to be effective with everyone who's around you.
1: Right. So it's about changing leadership style, which was really the key. Yes. You devote a chapter. You say I like it. I like when you say. Is it true that there are no good people out there?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> you ask your friend as
1: yeah, right. an HR executive. Right.
0: And what, what did they say? Oh, okay. So no, actually, it's, here's what happened. We're we're having the social thing and I have a friend who's an HR director and he just starts going off on, oh yeah, you know, there's no good people out there and all this stuff. And, and I just casually said, well, you know, most experts say the number one driver of employee engagement is their direct supervisor. And he just picks up exactly where I was going. And oh yeah, well, we know this study says this study says this. It's like, well, well, wait, 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 hold on a second. You were just saying that there's no good people out there. The problem isn't that we're not hiring good people. The problem is what happens to them once we get them. And even though people know all of these things, I have a friend who used to say have the saying, you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. Okay. So sometimes when you're in the midst of it, even though you know statistically all these things, you just keep seeing bad person after bad person after bad person. And you're thinking, wow, when I was interviewing, they weren't that. No, they weren't. You've got to look into what is the process, what's happening to them that's making them bad. Cause I believe most people want to be good employees, but there are things that keep them from doing that.
1: So Tony, do you think anybody can be a force multiplier? Absolutely. Anyone who sets their mind to it.
0: Anyone who sets their mind to it and gets the proper training and insight can be a force multiplier.
1: And I think there are about seven keys, right? To being one.
0: There are seven of them. Uh, But the real key to it is, it's not just that there's seven of them, it's that you apply those seven differently to different types of people. Right. So that was really, it's all together. So yeah, there are certain things that we know, the metrics and the research is out there that says these seven things will increase employee engagement. But then it's so... It's not one-size-fits-all. I have to use this differently on this person than on this person. Just like if you have two kids, you know you can't raise those two kids exactly the same because they're so, so different. Right.
1: You know, the book is really unique because they're sort of, you, you put things in a way and put a spin on them in ways that we really haven't, you know, said it or looked at it. Mm-hmm. And I thought my, I thought to myself... Wow, that's really cool. That's an interesting way of you know seeing that. I love, and especially what we talked about before, as it's always the employee's problem. It's right. never my problem, which right. I think we all do to some extent. Well, Tony, the book's terrific. It's a really easy read. Um, so many things we didn't get to, but I really enjoyed the relationship bank, the value of a transaction, and you talk about the topic of personalities mm-hmm. as a relationship expert, and sort of you have the MC, the diplomat, the conductor, the navigator. All these unique spins on personalities. So uh, it's, uh, it's very insightful. So congratulations.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
1: And if you'd like more information on the book, just head to our website. It's c-sweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.